Delete your Facebook. Delete your Twitter account. Delete your Snapchat. Delete your Insta. Delete your Facebook. Delete your Tinder account. Delete your Snapchat. Delete your Instagram. Meet me in the woods and we'll talk like people used to do. And you can tell me what's new. You can say, what's up, my dude? Great weather, you just can't beat it. What have you been working on? Did you see what the president tweeted? Delete your Facebook. Delete your Twitter account. Delete your Snapchat. Delete your Instagram. Delete your Facebook. Delete your Tinder account. Delete your Snapchat. Delete your Instagram. What the hell? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Because I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy. Brian, you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me. I already really like you. Your midweek download destination. I told you about Brian. I told you. Come on, man. Brian was just making a joke. I'm so lucky to have met you, Brian. You're such an amazing guy. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Note to self, don't die. Welcome in to the supposedly for-profit venture known as the Stone On Air podcast. What a day I've had. What a day. I'll touch on that just a little bit here in a matter of a couple of minutes. A three-segment show. This is the Weekly Dose for January 23rd, 2019. I do want to remind everybody, the Stone on Air Newsmaker line is still there. Still being called by basically one, one person. <laughs> one person. Um, I welcome more to leave a voicemail. If you'd like to be a part of the show in any way, whatever you leave on that voicemail, there's a high likelihood it'll end up on the show. I get that most of you are like, uh, yeah, dude, don't have any interest in that. I get that. If you do have interest, the number is 423-301-8080-423-301-8080-423-301-8080 for the Stone On Air Newsmaker Line. Well, appreciate you guys and gals being here. I've got uh, three segments to go here, and we're going to be talking uh, some more local stuff for the most part. I'm going to stay away from national mess Don't care to talk about Trump. Don't care to talk about the shutdown. Don't care to talk about uh, the stock market or the Lincoln Memorial or Native Americans or MAGA types or any of those things that I, for the most part, all but completely ignored for the last couple of, um, well, I guess months and maybe even longer than that. So let's see. What, What do I got going on? So the second segment of the show... I am going to talk about the uh, go back to the soccer wars conversation and the Chattanooga Football Club has now come right back around with a right hook, uh, potentially maybe not a knockout blow to what the Red Wolves uh, soccer club is trying to do, but they certainly have swung the momentum back their way with a, um, I guess in an essence what it is being referred to as is an investment in ownership of the team, and um, 
I have, I'll, I'll save my thoughts for the uh, second segment of the show. I am one of the biggest supporters of the Chattanooga Football Club, but just because I'm a big supporter doesn't mean I necessarily buy into every single thing that somebody does. And I had somebody ask me, like, dude, why why are you even you know bringing this up? Why are you even talking about you know not necessarily being on board with what they're doing or not cheerleading it? It's because that's what I do. That's the authentic nature that I try to stick to each and every week on this show, even if people who I know and love and appreciate and do things for me might not like it. I'm generally still going to uh, I'm going to try to at least discuss what I think about things without being, you know, without being rude and assholeish about it. But I'm not just going to say something's awesome just because everybody else does. So that'd be the second segment of the show. And the final segment of the show is um, a couple of uh, articles that were posted from a couple different uh, sources from um, Stephanie. I guess her last name now is Sutton. Um, because she got married in the last year. She is a craft beer enthusiast around town. A lot of people uh, know her from uh, Ballast Point, um, Tennessee representative, or maybe it was a Southeastern at one point. She's done craft beer specialist uh, for a couple of different companies that I've worked for, the old one, Carter, and the new one, Cherokee Distributing Company. And she posted these. I thought they were really interesting. And once upon a time, I used to be really into beer culture. I still am to a certain degree. Like I still respect it, understand it, and pay attention to it, but I don't like all of it. And I don't know that it's going in a great direction right now, and and both these articles kind of point out some of the reasons why that might be the case. So I'll take a look at that in the third segment of the show. So a couple of things here before I get to the first segment of the show, which is going to be a look again at what some of the local media outlets, more specifically the Fraud Monster uh, Fraud Radio 102.3 and what their their recent another round of cuts, uh, scumulous Chattanooga, excuse me, cumulus Chattanooga, continuing to just be the just disgustingly awful company, and um, also been sampling the Nuga Radio um, uh, 92.7, I think it is, where Jeff Styles has gone to work, and I still have yet to her to excuse me to hear. Any amount of his show, generally, because I'm either working at that time or I'm still asleep. So I'll get to that before I just uh, get a couple things out of the way. The long plumbing nightmare that I went on and on with Mr. Reuter, pretty much just screwing me over in the end, should be, as of today, taken care of. And the company that uh, did it this time is um, the, the, the main... Branch is called Chase. I think it's Chase Plumbing. They're the commercial venture of the, or wing, I should say, of the business. And then Patriot Plumbing is the residential uh, kind of arm and leg. And um, I was referred to them by somebody, two people, as a matter of fact, on Facebook. And while it wasn't cheap, it wasn't cheap at all. It was a very expensive day today. It was very good, um, attentive service. And um, they followed through on what they said they were going to do as far as callbacks and staying in touch. And they got here when they said they were would. And dude was here having trouble trying to figure out where the, the, the sewer line went. And he was here most of the afternoon. And he told me what the charge was going to be. It didn't matter if it took an hour or five hours. In this case, it took close to five, maybe even a little bit more than that. Got that taken care of. Uh, replaced some water pressure valves I had underneath the house, showed me where some of the cutoffs and some of the things I didn't know were underneath the house. I got a lot out of it. I spent a lot of money, but I feel like I got a, uh, I feel like I got a lot of good value out of what I spent. So 
Happy to have the great nightmare, the long uh, nightmare of late 2018 and into 2019 of the plumbing disaster finally taken care of. And we have the Super Bowl set that was taken care of on Sunday with a couple of really wildly entertaining football games. Uh, Lots of bad calls, and if you're really into this, you already know all about it, so I won't spend any amount of time on it. But fun football games to watch. And Super Bowl Sunday is one of my favorite days of the year, and that'll be in about a week and a half, taking place in Atlanta. The goddamn Patriots made it again, and uh, they'll be taking on the Rams. So that should be a fun afternoon in a week and a half from right now. So we're going to start off here talking about the uh, some local radio stations, two in particular, the talk stations in town. Now, First of all, I want to play this. I found this as I was uh, looking back at my um, uh, my very first Stone On Air proper radio show, which first started on Talk Radio 102.3 as a live performance interview uh, show, multimedia for YouTube and uh, podcast and for live radio shows on Sundays. And it, the very first one was January 17th. So three years ago, today's the 23rd, so three years ago, six days ago, and I started, uh, I went back and listened to the first show. It was really, if I do say so myself, a pretty damn good show from word one, from right out of the gate. We knew what we were doing. We we spent a lot of time, me and Nathan Gale and Tara V, we, we were very deliberate in what we were doing, and from word go, from the minute we started, it was a very good show. Danimal Planet was my uh, my first guest. And um, so I was I was listening to the show, and I pulled this audio just to because uh, I was like, wow, it's interesting how things go. So I'll tell you why it's interesting after I play it. This is, I don't know, 30 seconds from the very first Stone On Air show three years ago. I found out the other day, and I'm really excited about this, that our Bonnaroo ticket giveaway this year is exclusive to this radio show. Awesome. So that is a nice little perk. More information on that as we get closer to to to, to announce because the announcement is this Tuesday on Conan O'Brien of all places. Yeah. And so that's a really exciting thing that we'll be giving away. Uh, so we, this show has to last until June at least, right? So we have to now. So <laughs> what makes that um, interesting? I don't know if the word's funny. Is that the show made it to June? <laughs> the show made it to June, and then those spineless cowardly assholes fired me you likely already know the story uh went through my facebook page found some conversations i was having through private messenger didn't like it fired me because of it was there more to it than that probably if you want to know more you can go back and listen to the full podcast where i talk for about 45 50 minutes about it straight but that was and not because of me necessarily but if you look at the timeline from the time that that I was fired on June 24th of 16 and to where they are now, that radio station is an absolute dire ruin. And it didn't start because of me, probably started way before that. But if you really look at that timeline, things really started to change and nothing looks or sounds like it ever did before. That I was fired two weeks after Bonnaroo on the 24th I'm lucky, just for the sake of always wanting to go to Bonnaroo, that they didn't come to me sooner on that one. But just the big, biggest uh, building and company full of just cowardly assholes. A few of them are, are good. A few of them I like just fine. Three or four or five of them. But 
Middle to upper management can all go straight to hell. Scott Chase primarily being the one at the top. Well, they have done another round of cuts, and they have fired. I didn't get confirmation on whether they got Sean Paul or not, if he's still working with them, but uh, two or three, one sales, and then the main one was Dave Hooker. Dave Hooker was on Sport Talk in the afternoon. He replaced Dr. B, who died, one or two weeks after I was fired. I think it was July 4th, actually. So it might have been one week, week and a half later in 2016. Just an incredible uh, man, a wonderfully a funny and awesome dude in the community. And uh, my heart was broken when I heard about that. And he um, he was replaced by Dave Hooker sometime into the by the end of that year or into the next year. I don't know when they hired Dave Hooker. Now, Dave Hooker has spent his career working the beat of the Vols, right? So for different publications, online publications, radio stations, he was kind of a Vols insider. And that's why they got him because of his his vast contacts and the people and the and the and the guests that he could bring to the show. Didn't do a whole lot for me, but there's so much competition in the afternoon for sports shows across the country. I you know, I checked out a sport talk. I checked out of all things talk radio back in late 2016. I don't even have that on my uh, on my presets in my car anymore. I listen to a little Titans radio and uh might pop in and now and again, every now and again for Let's Talk Money. But um it, I've been pretty much gone since 16, so I haven't heard a lot of it, but he very much is uh, what you see is what you get. He's kind of a Vols depth chart kind of guy. It's all a bunch of just numbers and minutia and stuff like that. And some people love that, some don't. So I don't know if it worked for the show or not, but he was a budget cut. So now it's just Scott McMahon, Quake, and Cowboy Joe, two very, very dear friends of mine, and I have a feeling they're going to struggle to keep that show afloat by themselves. Not because they're not two very talented and very interesting people, but that show has always been built around the banter amongst uh, amongst multiple people. And when it comes to that radio station, when it was when it was designed, when it went to a fully employment corporate level, I mean a, away from the swap shop days of the early sport talk days in the early 90s, when they got to the end of the 90s and the turn of the century, that station was built on three people. It was built on Dr. Basketball, Gary Haskew, Jeff Styles, and Wally Wachowski. Well, two of those three are dead. Unfortunately, lovely souls, wonderful people. We have lost them over the years. And then Jeff Styles damn near was dead when he got shot in that stupid road rage thing and now has been fired. That radio station's core, the, the foundation of what made it great, they're all long gone, and they're either not coming back because they're dead or they're not coming back because they've been fired. And now it's based on um, asshats like Brian Joyce, uh, Gomer Powell in the middle morning, whatever, Max Powell, Powell, whatever his name is, nice enough guy but has no business being on the air, and then Brad Marbles in his mouth, Geezer, Giza. And um, really, the only radio show on that station worth listening to at all is Let's Talk Money with uh, Jim and Jamie. And I don't want to, I mean, I don't know. Jamie listens to some of the stuff I do. Uh, do. She doesn't listen to all of it. And I don't want to come across as sounding uh, disrespectful in any way. I mean, they're, they are my money managers. Like, my Jamie is basically in control of my money. The money they take out of my account and invest for me, They I, I just tell her, hey, you do what's best with this, and that's what happens. And that's the kind of trust level we and the friendship level that we have. But if I were them, 
I'd say you guys are nuts if you think we're going to continue to do this. And what I mean by that is, is Let's Talk Money is a pay-for-play show. They do not pull a paycheck from Cumulus or Talk Radio 102.3. They pay them to be on the air. Now, they sell their ads, and they try to make as much of their money back. And I won't tell you how much it is, but it's a lot. It's a lot. It's more than I make as overall income. Not a lot more, but it is more. That's that's a healthy chunk of change to just have a, a radio show on a radio station who's taken whose reputation reputation has taken such a major beating over the last three years, and it just gets worse and worse. So another round of cuts. They get rid of a guy who I I think probably worked in what he was trying to do. I can't tell you that for sure because I wasn't there. I don't he's one of the few that I don't know at all. But I I just don't get it. I don't know what these what this company is doing, and it is just so much fun to laugh at. On the other side of the dial is 92.7 Nuga Radio, which I've been listening to quite a bit recently because that's where Jeff Styles is now hired on. And it is at first I thought it was crazy right wing, like like you know, not so right conservative Tea Party types. I, I don't know. I, I wasn't sure, but at first I just thought, what is this mess? But the more I listen to it, the more it doesn't it doesn't seem like that's necessarily what it is. I haven't heard the morning show. I haven't heard Jeff's show. I mean, I know what Jeff does. So him from ten to t- uh, eight to ten, excuse me. I don't know who's on mid mid afternoon or, or late morning. Um, early afternoon is David Tullis, bow tie guy, talks a hundred miles an hour. I don't I don't know what to make of the guy other than he's scattered. He uh, has just one run on sentence after another. It is uh, at times a little interesting because he just is a different cat. But overall, it is very difficult to listen to. Then in the afternoon or the evening, they have a sports show I've caught a few times, I think called The Sports Guys. And it is very, uh, I don't want to be mean or a dick about it, but it's pretty amateur hour. Uh, Very little resets, uh, very little um, station identification, very little um, introduction of guests or, or topics or uh, re- like resetting and, 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 and laying out the, the, the show and giving the listener an idea of where this ride is going. Oftentimes have caught an entire ride home from downtown to East Ridge where it was nothing but one live read commercial after another. So I guess my point is, is I just don't know exactly what they're trying to do or why they're doing it. I can't imagine that many of them are making much money doing this radio station. It is uh, a very kind of talking through a tin can kind of sound. Not quite AM radio, but close. And um, I I was more impressed with it than I thought I was going to be, but that's because I thought it was going to be the worst thing I ever heard. It's not the worst thing I ever heard, but it's not a long ways away from that. So that's where Jeff is. At least, I mean, they do, they have a lot of news breaks. They seem to be uh, regurgitated in the same ones over and over again, but they do have what appears to be a pretty good research team for finding good news stories, both locally, nationally, and internationally. But the presentation is just really, it's a little low rent. But, um, I mean, if they said, hey, do you want to do a radio show? I'd probably say, yeah. 
you know, as long as it didn't get in the way of all my other stuff. But so in the end, I know this isn't entertaining to, to people who don't care about the local media stuff. And I know that this is overly uh, usually what people come to to listen to from the local media. Sometimes I get my biggest hits when I talk about local radio stations. But the bottom line is we still have a bunch of amateurs all over the city trying to do talk radio. And it's just a shame. It's a shame that there's so many people, not just me, so many people in this city that can do much better work who do not get an opportunity because they're not in the club and the celebration of mediocrity, which I've talked about so many times. And then I know there's the other one over there that potentially works for either one of these companies that's going to be like, oh, that's Brian over there just being just bitter guy. No, 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 asshole. I have uh, as good a situation in my life as I've ever had. I'm making more money than I've ever made before. I have more creative freedom within the work that I have than I've ever had before. And, and most everything else in my life is just fine. I'm not just bitter guy. I am just look over there and see the, the, the car crashes and understand media, mediocre amateur talent when I see it and hear it. And it's happening all over this city. And that's just kind of what this city's all about. When it comes to to those kinds of avenues from television, the radio industry, media all the way around, print, podcasting now even, everybody's just okay with all this really low-rent, amateur, low-budget stuff. And um, I'm not. That's just basically the uh, bottom line. If you're not sitting around talking about how great Chattanooga is and how great Every single boutique and every single hotel and every single restaurant and all the radio stations and all the TV and the newspaper, it's all great. We're the best city ever, best city ever. Well, then you're just looked at as an asshole, so I guess that's what I am, an asshole. But it's not me being an asshole, it's me being real and looking at it like it is. So I will put the wraps on that right now on the way out here on this segment. This is new music from Danimal Planet. I just saw it shared on Facebook. I guess it's new because I've never heard it before. And uh, it was posted in a way to promote the show this Saturday at JJ's, January 26th. The likelihood is that I will be at that show. I love me some Danimal and anybody who plays in any of the family of uh, family tree that is uh, anything coming from Danimal and Strong and uh, Up with the Joneses, all those bands over the years, I'm a big fan of. So if you're at JJ's on the 26th, come by and say hello. Coming up next... The Chattanooga Football Club might have pulled one of the more brilliant moves that we could have ever possibly imagined. I just didn't really understand why everybody thought it was so cool. And I'll get to that coming up next on the Stone On Air Podcast, the weekly dose for January 23rd, 2019. I'll be right back. Stone on air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. I'm Paul Rustand. I'm a co-founder of Chattanooga FC. I'm Tim Kelly, and I'm a co-founder of Chattanooga FC. I am Marshall Brock. I am Daryl Hill. I'm Crew Brock. I'm Thomas Clark. I am Sheldon Drizzle, and I'm a co-founder of Chattanooga FC. A decade ago, we set out to be the best amateur team in America. 
We hoped one day to have 500 fans at a game. We wanted to give raw talent a chance to grow and to set an example for clubs and communities from sea to shining sea. And you made it happen. The fans who showed up by the thousands, in the heat, in the rain, breaking records again and again. In our league, unlike the others in the USA, the teams run the league. Our league is growing with us, and we're shaping the future of Chattanooga FC together with you. Amateur or professional players, we are the Chattanooga Football Club. And from the beginning, we've dreamed of a club owned by the community. And now we have a way to do it. Starting this month, anyone can buy stock in Chattanooga Football Club and become an owner. There's something the world needs that a soccer fan understands. A club is more than 11 players on the field. You, 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 you are the Chattanooga Football Club. We are the Chattanooga Football Club. Welcome back to the show. The soccer wars are still red hot here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Never in a million years would I have thought there would be such a power play like this and such a, at the end of the day, kind of trivial thing. It's just sporting events. But this is very important to a lot of people. And I think that Sean McDaniel and the out-of-towners that he has aligned himself with to take on the Chattanooga Football Club with the Chattanooga Red Wolves Soccer Club. They don't know what they're getting themselves into. And I don't see this ending well for the Red Wolves, but we're a long ways away before we'll ever know the answer to that question of who succeeds, who wins here. Can both survive? Both soccer teams survive? The season starts soon. At least preseason starts soon for the Red Wolves, I'm pretty sure. I think late February into March. Maybe the same for the CFC. I don't know. I'd have to look. I'm still not a super soccer fan. I really like it, but I'm not a super fan and still learn the game as I go along. Um, so I won't do a lot of resetting or backstory here. I'll assume you already know where we're at with these two teams. If you don't, then I would say you should go back and, and listen to some past podcasts or, um, I don't know, do some Googling or maybe you're just listening to the wrong podcast. I don't know. But so the Red Wolves are a thing playing over the Chattanooga Christian School for their first season here in nineteen. Um, They say they're building a stadium that's going to be ready for 2020, but we still don't know where that stadium's going to be built, and we don't know anything other than just a quick artist rendering, something that anybody who's ever taken some AutoCAD and has a little bit of creative penmanship could have have rendered up for anybody. I don't believe there's going to be a new stadium, soccer-specific, for the Chattanooga Red Wolves by 2020. I just don't. I think that is... Maybe not a lie. I mean, maybe they're not saying something out loud that they know not to be true. But I just don't believe for a second that there's that that kind of construction turnaround 
can happen when we don't even know where that land is going to be. But, well, I'll worry about that another time. Maybe they won't have it done until 2021. I don't know. I do know that Sean McDaniel, who was once with the CFC, I I think a co-founder, he was a general manager for many years. I'm pretty sure he's a co-founder. Lifelong Chattanooga soccer guy here in town. I know he has a three-year deal. So he's going to get paid the amount of money on this contract for three years, uh, whether the league or, excuse me, the team, I should say, lasts three years or not. But what the Chattanooga Football Club has done as they've come back here with a brilliant move. And it is it is remarkable to me how well this move has worked. Because of a change in law in the last couple of years, I don't I'm not smart enough to explain how it works, but now you can you can just open up your uh, your company or at least your sports franchise to be able to be owned in, by individuals in the community on on increments that start at $125 and go all the way to $10,000 just from a quick look at the website and the 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 first model standard example you would use to to understand what this is is the Green Bay Packers. They are owned by the fans. My dad owns a small portion of the Green Bay Packers. He has a certificate. It's on a, it's in a frame on the wall. He's very proud of it. I've always thought that it's I don't know. I don't know what the right word is. Uh, silly, maybe, or just not um, not th- a thrilling thing to me to pay money into something and to be told you're, quote-unquote, some kind of fractional, marginal owner of something. You know, whatever. Whatever makes you feel better, what anybody does in anything in their life that's not harming anybody else, it gives them satisfaction. I got no problem with whatsoever. He's very proud of that. I've just never sat around thinking, I'd like to have ownership and give this this company that already makes all this money or this organization that makes all this money, I'm going to give them more. And then now I can say I'm an owner. I don't know. It's just never resonated with me. And that's okay. It doesn't have to. But they have started this campaign out, out of nowhere because you know the, the argument was the, the out-of-town owner uh, who came in for the Red Wolves is just that. An out-of-town guy doesn't know a little Debbie from a moon pie and doesn't know, you know, anything about the area other than what he's learned since he got here. And he's just, you know, an outsider. And this is the ultimate pushback to that to say, yeah, okay. All right. Well, this team built by, by Chattanooga for Chattanooga and, and has grown to the success levels because of Chattanooga support. Well, now we're going to give you the opportunity to be an owner of this team and, you know, if you just told me you were going to do that, I might have said, okay, well, we'll see how this works. You know, I don't know. I'm not sure. Because for me, I just didn't think it was any big deal. Well, for most people out there, semi-soccer fans, super soccer fans here locally, it has spread like wildfire, and it looks like a, a stroke of genius from the brass uh, and, and, and the chairman uh, and, and all the board members of the Chattanooga Football Club, they have raised going on $400,000 since they announced this last Thursday. So it's been a little bit less than a week. I think it was Thursday. It was the end of last week. It was right after I got done recording, and then I found out about it like the next day. So it's not old news, but it, it was last week. And I, I just I looked at it initially and just thought, so what? That's not that. That's not that cool. That's not a big deal. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to quote unquote own the team. And I had a few people kind of look at me like you know weird. Like what's your problem, dude? 
I mean, I've been the biggest supporter of Chattanooga Football Club that anybody, you know, than as anybody who wasn't an original soccer guy, you know, somebody who's gotten into it later in life since 2013. So for going on six years now, I have been a regular champion for this uh, for for this this organization and this club, and I have been a, a a cheerleader and champion for everything Finley Stadium since the day the place was built in 1997. People for years said Finley Stadium was a mistake and it was awful and it was underutilized and it was a money pit and it wasn't worth doing. It wasn't worth going to. I, I I've never said that one time, and now. The South Side's the place to be, and they've built all around it, and there's li- there's all kinds of condos and townhomes all around it, and bars and restaurants and breweries all around it. The market's one of the Chattanooga market's one of the most successful markets in the Southeast, and the stadium gets utilized and it makes money now, and it's like, oh yeah, this place is great. Yeah, no shit, man. <laughs> I've been telling you this place is great for 20 years. So I mean, I'm the ultimate cheerleader, but when I heard that, hey, you can buy. Uh, you can be an owner of the soccer team. I just, I didn't quite get it. And so I'll tell you what I, I did. And I wasn't vocal about it. I didn't get on social media and start screaming about it, but I did respond to my uh, buddy, Nathan Gale's post. He showed that he had bought um, whatever he did stock into it and showed the up-to-date numbers at that point. This was four days ago. And I'll just read some of this thread. I uh, responded to Nathan. I don't think this is as cool as everybody seems to. I have no interest in owning the team. I just want to drink and hang out and watch some soccer games at Finley. Nathan responds, to each their own. I like it because Tim Kelly has invested in me at times, even if he doesn't know it. So I try to help out those who have helped me out. Goes on and on to say, I'll paraphrase, $125 is the smallest amount, which equals basically about four bottles of Jack Daniels or a couple of nice meals. And, and it goes on from there saying, basically the point is, it's not all that much money. I responded saying, Nate, I totally get it. It's a great idea, and it seems to be working. My dad is an owner of the Packers and is as proud as he can be about it. I'd rather have some kind of ownership in Finley Stadium. I have been a cheerleader for the facility and all of its tenants since way before it was cool to do so. Uh, Christian Orth, who used to not necessarily run the stadium, but he was second in charge. He was kind of the right-hand man underneath Frank Burke for years at Finley, said, Brian, when did it become cool to do so, meaning be a champion, be a cheerleader, and, uh, and, and, a, and an advocate for Finley Stadium? I said, Christian, I'd say this decade, the popularity explosion of the Chattanooga market and the Chattanooga Football Club in the last 10 years along with the revitalization of the South Side, has made most people pretty satisfied with the property. People used to complain about the tax money it received, never supported the FCS National Championship, the market used to be a ghost town, and the football mocks never moved the needle. The Enigma rag, that's the old local alternative weekly uh, that's still around, but it's total trash, Um, the, the Enigma named it Best Place to Tear Down and Return to Nature, award for years nathan says and who cannot forget how bad it was at that Freebird concert the leonard skinner concert he's talking about everyone was peeing everywhere it was horrible <laughs> i remember the show i don't remember everybody was peeing all over the place tim kelly chairman of the chattanooga football club jumps in and says brian you're an odd duck but i've always liked that about you i don't expect everybody to get fired up about it but i am certainly glad so many people are and then just some other stuff of people just poking fun, having fun. Jonathan Sussman jumps in there and says, I think your phone auto-corrected duck again. 
And I kid, Brian, Tara says, what? And then Nathan says it's now up to $345,000. That was as of one day ago. But what that's that's what I, I the way I look at it is that this is not, not much different than crowdsourcing, than a GoFundMe account, or some kind of Kickstarter campaign. You reach out to the people that you know, love what you do, and you ask them for money in exchange for perks. That's what that kind of new wave of economic uh, start start engines, if you will, have, have, have funded lots of projects. And that's what this sounds like this is. That's fine. And that's all good and well, except it's being portrayed as you have some kind of ownership in the team. And at the smallest amount is $125. I'm pretty sure I saw that the highest amount is ten grand, and only if you spend a lot of money are you going to be really getting any kind of uh, really return on investment other than the the proud nature of what this uh, kind of sentimental kind of uh, PR move was. And that's all fine. I'm not mad about it. I can't wait to go to more games, and I'm not afraid to say it out loud. And I've had a couple of people say, why did you do that? Why did you say that out loud? And my first response was, I didn't say it out loud. I responded to Nathan Gale's specific post on his Facebook page. Now, do I get it that that can be consumed and available to almost anybody? Yes. But I didn't go out of my way to say, hey, guys, I think this is dumb. I never even said anywhere in the neighborhood of that it was dumb. But just as a quick two cents on a thread message board style conversation, I just said, I just don't, I just don't know what the big deal is. I don't want to be an owner of this team. I want to be, I want to be a fan of this team. I want to be a patron of this team. I want to be an advocate for this team. I want to be an ambassador for this team, but I don't want to buy it. I don't want to own it. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in being involved in a Kickstarter campaign. And if I didn't say that, then that would have been me not being authentic, not being genuine, and not being truthful. And what do I always sit around here and scream and, and, and complain about? The disingenuous, fake, fraudulent nature of the majority of average assholes walking around. Do I love the CFC and want to have as much involvement as I can? Absolutely. I think they're great. When it comes to the soccer wars, if somebody has to win, I'm pulling for the, uh, the Jetting of FC all day. I would love to see the Red Wolves uh, be successful as well. I don't believe that two can, and I believe that CFC has too much involvement in the community to to be the one that fails, and they still have Finley Stadium, so that really is all you really need. But uh, if I had to pick one to win, of course it's the CFC. I've, 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 I've never barely paid a dime to get in the place. I've worked for the radio company that, that is the, uh, the, the media sponsor. I've got VIPs, you know, luxury box passes. I get treated like gold there. I love, I love it. It's, I, and, and it's partially because of how much of an advocate I am, but I'm not going to tell you that I think owning the team for $125 is, you know, all that exciting for me or that big a deal. It's just, it's a crowdsourcing effort, and that's not an unusual or um, or negative way of creating funds, but that's just what it is, crowdsourcing. It's not necessarily really any true kind of ownership, but if the, if the, if the fans love it, and clearly they do because they're on their way to a half a million dollars, a half a million dollars, 
They're about a hundred grand away from that. Will they hit that? I don't know. We'll see. But the buzz was huge. The idea was brilliant. And it might just have been not quite the knockout blow, but it might just have been the 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 turning point that keeps the CFC where they were, where they want to be, and where they can continue to go, and they don't have to worry about the uh, you know the the carpetbaggers, the Yankees coming in here and trying to take over something that they that most people in this city had no interest in. There's no thirst for what they're doing. There's no demand for what they're doing. The Chattanooga Football Club owns that market. And because of the moves that they've made, all mostly reactionary for sure, but 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 positively reactionary, has been really well thought through and really well done. Just doesn't mean I think everything they do is freaking perfect and I can't wait to be involved in it. And that's just the way I look at things, and I can't wait to go to some soccer games at Finley Stadium, having some drinks, hanging out. It is about as much fun as you're going to have in the city of Chattanooga, and they have saved Finley Stadium, which is one of my favorite facilities and properties in the city. You want to open up uh, Finley Stadium to ownership amongst uh, local residents of the city and the surrounding area because it's county and city-owned, and you want to have investment from the community that that and then I I get some kind of perk because of the facility. I'm in. Hand in the air. Count me in. I would do that right now because I've I've even said back when people were bitching about the tax money at Finley Stadium. I'm like, listen, you can have my tax money. Matter of fact, I'll give you extra tax money if it funds this stadium because that's how important that it is going to be to the revitalization and the overall quality of life of the South Side. And I was right the whole time. Right the whole time. And I would gladly invest in the property. Now, the team itself, you know, y'all can do that. So, I'm one of the good guys. People don't get mad, don't need to get mad at me. I am one of the good guys. Coming up next, the craft beer movement seems to potentially be stalling a little bit. And it might be because their consumers can't quite get out of their own way. What am I talking about? I will get to that next on the Stone On Air podcast, the weekly dose for January 23rd. bar for two months now and I gotta say these people are really into their craft beers. Can I get a pooch daddy saison? You guys got any blue caboose barley wine? One doppelganger doppelbach. Can I get an arrogant bastard? Can I get a pompous asshole? Can I get a dickhead neighbor who doesn't respect property lines and keeps growing his hedges on my side of the fence despite numerous emails and a surveyor that came out from City Hall to delineate my property boundaries? glass, please. Hey, yeah, can I just get a pale ale? A stale ale. Christian Bale ale. Can I get a baby dick Belgian white? I'll have a Harry Porter in a goblet of fire. It's a very light lager, but it's served in a urine sample cup. It's so bitter, you'll no longer be able to dream. Yeah, it's brewed by slutty nuns up in the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah, it's a Dr. Pilsner Pilsner. Pretends to be beer, but it's not. It's an amber ale, and it's served in a bird feeder. Ooh, that is a really good Black History Month beer. I'll take a Bud Light. Get the f out of my bar, dude. Strange brew. Can what 
much inside of you. Welcome back to the show. I love that. I don't think I've used that before. Something I found on YouTube. I think I used it for the Rail and Hops show that I ended up canceling because it was such a drunken mess and the show was awful back in August of last year. But if I had used it and I forgot, my bad. And it's it's funny when it comes to beer. I've been a drinker my whole life. My whole adult life, certainly, and my teenage life as well. I come from a family of uh, moderate drinking. Not, not, not across the board by any stretch, but the immediate family are all drinkers. There is some alcoholism in the family, no doubt. And drinking beer has always been something that we've all enjoyed doing. As I've gotten older now and my... Um, my alcohol uh, consumption tendencies have moved towards more harder things like the gin and tonic I'm drinking right now. I, I have turned away from beer uh, when I used to be quite the, I, I don't know if connoisseur is the right word, but I certainly was, um, I was into that scene. And I still think it's an interesting scene. I think it's a good culture for a community and I'm not a hater on it. But I can't get involved in the conversations anymore because a different generation has kind of taken it over. And it's happened for the last uh, solid decade, but at least, um, you know, seven, eight years uh, for the most part. But there's, you know, a lot of jokes of, oh, Chad, just what Chattanooga needs is another barbecue joint. Oh, just what Chattanooga needs is another hamburger joint or another fried chicken uh, shack. And. It's now turned into just what Chattanooga needs is another brewery. And those have been popping up consistently for several years now. And I'm not saying that it's bad, but I do think it's fallen into that category of, oh, we've got another brewery. Yeah, this exact that's just exactly what we needed. Another place making more mediocre beer. And I, my palate cannot really uh, is not cannot be trusted to tell you whether a beer is good on a on a, a on a scale that 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 crosses generationally I mean I can tell you what I like but what I like isn't important to what the overall consumer base likes and uh, let me back up and I'll get back to that in a minute back when I was 19 20 21 22 23 maybe even beyond from that, the, uh, the the movement was called microbrews. I've talked about it on the show at some point in the past couple of years. I can't remember when or for what reason, but I know that I have. Microbrews. And me and my friends would go to Beverage Barn, primarily out in Hickson, because it was really the only store you could get any kind of exotic beers whatsoever. And uh, they usually sold to underage people. It's long gone now. But we would go, and our goal was to never get the same beer twice. For the longest time. And we had just this kind of phase in our lives that we, you know, we would still go do keg stands and get the light beer out in the woods. So party at the moon tower kind of thing. But when we'd go to the beverage barn, we were going to try to find something new. Now, generally, that usually meant something, um, something foreign, something imported, because there just wasn't a lot of, uh, of craft brewing back then, or as they called it, micro brewing. 
And we would just do that all over and over and over again. And then, you know, grew up and kind of grew out of that. And then around, you know, neighborhood of 10 years ago, seven, eight, nine, whatever it is, years ago, the, the whole industry came back in a new kind of revolution of craft beer. And then all the big breweries were trying to come in and, and, and snatch them up and try to uh, find the next big thing. And alcohol laws are odd. They are, they're territorial. And so once you have an area of a, of a territory to sell, that's the only area you can sell through a distributor for the most part. But it is state to state, and it is uh, vastly different from different areas of the country and from just from Georgia to Tennessee. You go to Georgia and talk to people in the beer business there, and you know if they were new to it, they would look at Tennessee and be like, what the hell are y'all doing, and vice versa. So back in the day, like smoking the Bandit style, Back getting Coors, you know, the, the first Coors original, the banquet beer, and, and then Coors Light after that, to the other side of the Mississippi was a big deal. And so if you got your hands on some Coors, you had done something, first of all, technically illegal, but something that people were uh, were, were really in demand for. And, um, and for my generation, that would have been more like uh, Fat Tire. I had some uh, friends, New Belgium uh, beer, Fat Tire. I had some friends that would go uh, older than me at the time. I was pretty young. I was a long time ago. Would go out to Colorado and go out west and then bring back cases of Fat Tire, which transporting alcohol across state lines at, at those times, depending on how much it was, was technically illegal. And he'd bring it back to us and, you know, give us all a few bottles or a six-pack or something. Same concept as the 70s and 80s with the Coors. And that doesn't happen as much now because those um, territories are much more spread out now. But I remember it was probably about five years ago that Dogfish Head came to Chattanooga. Maybe a little less than five. Maybe three or four years ago. And it w- people lost their you-know-whats. I mean... I was getting calls over at uh, at that time Carter Distributing Company um, from Knoxville and Nashville, um, all over the state. Like, hey, I heard you guys got dogfish, man. Can you save me some? I'm gonna come down and buy it. I'm like, dude, it doesn't work that way. You can't come down here and buy it. We only have the rights of this territory in Chattanooga. But I guarantee you some people around the state had friends here in Chattanooga, had them buy up cases of dogfish head and bring it to them so they could sell it whatever establishment they had. Again, another kind of example of Coors back in the 70s, Fat Tire back in the 90s, and then there for a minute, dogfish head for you know a month or two until they got it approved in one of the other areas of the state. So real quick, what is my point? My point to this to this segment is the same as it is with other things in this city, the celebration of mediocrity and word of mouth, overreaction to brand new products to the market, the overall FOMO effect, fear of missing out, and the overall hearing, not listening nature of the general public. This industry frowns upon brand loyalty. It encourages... Uh, changing, evolving, tasting, and moving forward every step, which is in on its on the surface a very, I would say, positive and healthy way to look at anything. But from a business standpoint, model from a volume, from a profit margin standpoint, no brand loyalty doesn't really help g- grow the business. It helps it make it trendy, 
it helps give the snobs at the local uh, t- tap rooms something to talk about. But it doesn't work for the long-term viability of many brands. Stephanie Sutton, who is Cherokee Distributing's um, craft brand manager, I guess. I've known her just from working there for over the years. She's a beer uh, beer gal. And she posted a couple articles. I'm going to read these here real quick. Just kind of give you an idea of what I'm talking about. This is from the burntoutbeerguy.com. This one's a little long, but to get the point across, I'm going to read it here. So it says, is craft beer burning out? There was a time not all that long ago where a group of U.S. brewers got together and vowed to reclaim beer from big business by making them with integrity and passion once again. Thanks in part to those early pioneers, we now are able to sit around in craft beer bars, app drinking a seemingly endless deluge of quirky brews from around the world. And that's the problem. Because of their relentless drive to recreate Beer, craft brewers have inadvertently spawned a consumer culture where beer doesn't necessarily need to be great anymore. It just needs to be new. This insatiable need for new is robbing craft breweries of the time it takes to perfect their beers. Because the truth is that most of the world's greatest beers didn't taste that way after the first batch. Brewers would spend months, and in some cases even years, tinkering and tweaking, raising a degree of temperature here, moving a hop addition another few minutes later in the boil there in order to fine-tune and perfect their recipes. It's what the craft in craft beer is really all about. But now that craft is being compromised by the hashtag generation, and some craft breweries are beginning to crack underneath the strain. For example, for many, the practice of test brewing small batches of a new beer before upscaling to commercial brews has long been abandoned. There simply isn't time anymore to wait four weeks to see if a beer recipe actually works. Just roll the dice and hope for the best. Whereas once it was okay to have a lager, an APA, IPA, and a stout as your core range with the occasional seasonal release to add a little drama, these days it's not unusual for a brewery to have multiple versions of every style, many of which taste pretty much the same because they really are the same. Just add another kilo or two of dry hops and you get two beers from one. There's simply no time left over these days to refine. It's corner cutting, sloppy, but inevitable as brewers come under increasing pressure to conjure up something different every week. So is anyone to blame? Is it the craft breweries themselves? who now wield social media with all the skill of a Kardashian to fan the hype flames of new releases, often in limited numbers to deliberately increase the buzz? Is it the drinking app platforms who encourage the, quote, more is better consumer culture by rewarding users with shiny badges for drinking around or the bars that happily feed their habit, last short paragraph? Or is it us, you and me, the craft beer drinkers, for no longer feeling any sense of pride in drinking local or having the patience to stick with a beer we like for a while just because we like it and not because drinking it gives us more likes and followers. Whoever's to blame, craft breweries are increasingly feeling the strain of keeping up with their customers. When week in and week out, they're being forced to choose between brewing the best beer they can make or brewing the easiest beer they can sell, something's eventually got to give. And that is exactly 
what I am seeing in this town right now. Chattanooga Brewing Company is viewed as, it's getting, because Tim Kelly and the CFC connection have invested in Chattanooga Brewing Company, now it's cool to like Chattanooga Brewing Company. But they had developed a reputation of having bad beer. On the other side, Hutton and Smith has got this reputation of making really good beer. Now, that doesn't mean that Hutton and Smith's beer is really good. And that doesn't mean that Chattanooga Brewing Company's beer is really bad. Those are just the perceptions based on the word on the street, the buzz on the social media, the hashtags, and what's new and what's cool. This is from Forbes, a new Flashback February, hashtag Flashback February campaign aims to save core beer brands before they disappear. Deservedly or not, millennials get blamed for a lot of things. Not least of all, the slow demise of the flagship beer. Called everything from fickle to promiscuous, millennial craft beer drinkers stereotypically flit between the newest, hottest, rarest releases with no regard for the workhorse core brands that to apply the most common cliche, quote, keep the lights on for brewers who bank on their steady sales for sturdy ongoing revenue. Quote, a lot of beer drinkers have developed a sort of ADHD with respect to the beers they drink. So going for a glass of beer at the bar or pub becomes less a pleasant distraction and more a relentless search for what's new and exciting. In this mad rush towards the unusual and unknown, we tend to forget the great, familiar, and still wonderful beers that guided us all along the path to the craft beer renaissance. Emails globally renowned beer journalist Stephen Beaumont, who's authored 13 books on the subject. He continues, just because a beer is new or unusual doesn't mean that it's good. And it's my non-professional time. I've found myself retreating more and more to proven greats rather than the ballyhooed unknowns of the, quote, special release world. He goes on to say, of course, as a beer writer focused on new releases, I have to take my share of the blame for the current state of affairs. So I guess this is part of my penance. And then it goes to talk about the hashtag flagship February, where they're getting many bars across the country to focus on instead of tap takeovers to have Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, Anchor Steam, Sam Adams, New Belgium, all on tap and for discounted prices to try to drive that uh, that idea home. And the last quote here was, strong flagship sales open the door for experimentation. And I, I guess all my point back to that is, I sit around and listen to people talking beer every day because I work in an 80,000 square foot beer warehouse every day. And, oh, hey, Hutton Smith, is that good? Oh, man, that stuff's good. Oh, man, Naked Brewing, Naked River, how's that? Oh, man, that stuff sucks. And it just turns into this, uh, what you heard kind of thing. It goes back to what I'm talking about, things that matter in my life. Oh, I heard that that's good. Yeah, well, I don't really care what you heard. I'm more interested in what you think, what you tasted, and what your actual opinion is. And this entire industry, this entire culture, beer culture, has turned into, I'm just going to tell you what I heard about something rather than give you a detailed uh, inside look into and and the flavors and, and to the my experience with that brand. And of course, that comes back to just the whole break room thing is my office is next to the break room and I have to listen to people talk about the stupid shit they eat and drink and and the stupid shit they watch every day and have, oh, that was pretty cool, man. I saw that that one day. And I think that's what the, the craft beer 
uh, culture has turned into. Oh, man, I heard that stuff sucks. Yeah, big deal. Like, I give a shit what you heard. Did you have a beer at Naked River? Did you have a beer at Hutton and Smith? Do you like Big River beer? Do you like uh, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale? I don't care what you heard. And I think it's a bunch of trendy wannabes running around everywhere, throwing their opinions around like there's some kind of expert uh, connoisseurs when all they are is a a bunch of parrots repeating, regurgitating garbage they heard from somebody else. That can happen in any industry, in any situation you're in. Just look around at social media. Oh, I heard this. I heard that. I heard that beer sucks. Yeah, once again, for the 2,353rd time, I don't care what anybody heard. I only care about what you know and what you experience. Is there a lot of good beer in the city of Chattanooga? You're damn right there is. Is there a lot of bad beer? Holy hell, I can promise you I've sampled a lot of it. Yes, there's a lot of bad beer here too. And what some Yahoo heard about one day is not what I'm interested in. And there's no brand loyalty in the craft beer industry. None. No brand loyalty. If it's not new, it ain't cool. You know what? who operates like that? Children. Children. Immature, underdeveloped, uh, uh, brain-damaged types deal with things that are just the, the, the flash in the pan. The little shiny thing that just floats on by like you're a little, a, a little fish in the, in the Chickamauga Lake in the Tennessee River, a brim, a little smallmouth bass. Oh, I can't help but bite it. I have to bite it because my attention span is so bad. There's good beer, there's bad beer, and just because it's not brand new or it's quote-unquote trendy doesn't mean that it's either or, good or bad, and I don't need to know what you heard. All right, that's all I got. I am done for this week's show. I appreciate you finding it, and we'll do it again next week. Will it be February by the time we do this again? No, it will still be January. Of course, it won't pull up yet, so it'll be the 30th of next week. I appreciate you a lot. Just for my buddy Eric, in honor of the three-year anniversary of the very first Stone On Air show, we'll head our way out of the show here with widespread panic. This is a live version I found on YouTube. If anybody should happen to ask, where did that cat go? All you got to do is just tell them, I am gone. See you bye.